And now, a word from our environment. I'm Lenny Labrizzi, and I created this podcast to examine our environment with words and sounds. We use a word or phrase as a starting point to learn together about our environment. Today's phrase is community gardens. As part of an ongoing series of interviews with community gardeners and activists, I spoke to Ina McPherson, a community gardener in Bedford-Stuyvesant in Brooklyn. In this excerpt, Ina tells us about Hattie Carthan, who pioneered grassroots urban forestry and urban agriculture in her community. And that, that sort of leads me to the next question. And you mentioned um, uh, Ms. Carthan a couple of times already, but you know, she was really a big influence in a lot of ways um, in that community and somewhat of an influence to you as well, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, Lenny, I feel sometimes like it's karma. Um, I knew nothing about Hattie Carthan. When I came to the neighborhood 20 years ago, I knew nothing about her. All I did was I liked gardening, I liked trees, you know, I liked to plant stuff. And when I came on the block and was agitating for, you know, the neighborhood was just, oh my God, our block was just on its knees. And I said, we gotta get trees, we gotta get trees here. And we had a, the first workshop we had was held by uh, Robin Simmon at BBG, a tree, tree uh, care workshop. And she came out and, um, and so the meeting prior to that, one of the neighbors said, you know, you know, Messina, you sound like Miss Carton. I said, well, who is Miss Carton? I said, Hattie Carton, she loved trees. I said, wow, I'd never heard. And I mean, I couldn't wait to go home and I got home and, you know, um, I, we didn't have Google then because it was in the early 2000s. I don't think that Google existed then. I don't know, maybe. You know, but- it, it wasn't that long ago that we didn't have Google and Facebook and <laughs> never mind Zoom, you know? Yeah. So, and then I found out, and man, I tell you, I dug deep and, you know, and later found out the garden that TNT that I started came out of her, she formed the Black Association that the garden came out. She lived three doors from the garden, three doors, mm-hmm. you imagine, three buildings. And that was Ms. Carson's building. And she started around the same time her environmental work started when she was 62. Same thing with me. She's a Virgo, just like me. <laughs> She's mm-hmm. feminist. And, you know, she was a tough woman because I got to know a lot of the old timers, her crew, her contemporaries, her peers. And they said, when she came around with that idea for trees, they said, oh, no, no, we have to sweep. And she said, oh, yeah you're still getting a tree. (laughs) And so the honey locust tree that towers over um, TNT Vernon came out of her initiative. And so um, I just feel that um, my life was informed by this woman that I never met, never knew. And um, so much of what she did, we're, you know, I consider uh, Ms. Fleming and I, Yonette Fleming and I, sort of carrying on the work because, you know, Yonette Stewart with these gardens that were named after Ms. Um, Carthen's death. She died in 1984. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these gardens were created after her death. And they did it as honorarium because she was involved with the tree. And also 
this uh, guy that holds the license for TNT, I do not hold the license by design. I only wanted to hold for tranquility, but I'm on record as operations. Carl Wright, yes, he I... was part of um, Hattie's tree pour. He's, you know, a couple of years younger than myself. And he knew her very well. He said she was a brisk walker. She was always wearing pearls. <laughs> and she had a shopping cart. <laughs> and I do the same thing, Lenny. I have a pearls and I have a shopping cart. I don't and see your pearls up tonight. <laughs> it's weird. It is so weird, you know? Um, yeah, so, and so he knew her very well. Carl was a teenager or a young, yeah. a young boy. He was younger than that. He, you know, because um, he, yeah. Maybe about, yeah, 13 or 14 uh -huh. at that time. And so he remembers her very well because his parents were community builders and they were part of the block association that she formed. Mm -hmm. Both of Carl's parents, his mom and dad. So they were sort of the group with this car. Okay. And um, so he knew her very well and he has a lot of information. You know, she was married twice. I don't know all of this history, you know, that's why I'm asking, because I know you. So I give you a little bit. She was born in 1900 and she was born um, September uh, 1900. She was born uh, in Portsmouth, Virginia. She's a pastor's daughter and she uh, migrated to New York City in 1928. So she was 28 years old, two years before the Great Depression, right? When mm -hmm. she came to New York City, she left behind an ex-husband at 28. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's a and story moved, behind that as well that maybe we'll okay. never know. So then she, she, she later remarried, I think, in the 40s. And that marriage was also uh, terminated, was, she divorced. But the interim from when she came to New York City in 1928, and when she started her advocacy in 1953 in Bedford-Stuyvesant, that's a huge gap. I often, we wonder, what did she do during that time? She was still a very young woman, mm -hmm. you know, in her 30s, 40s, 50s. Mm -hmm. And so she started, um, when she came in 1953, she started the, um, the tree matching thing, same thing. She wondered why there were no trees on the block because she was used to having a lot of trees in Virginia. And she wondered why. And so she started an initiative. And out of that came her tree core. The city parks department match. She did a bake sale, um, uh, hog, hog uh, barbecue, you know, country style mm -hmm. to raise money to buy trees. And the parks department matched those efforts. So she was the original million tree. Now, Bloomberg picked up that idea years later. You see what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So I mean, she no, had If there was a Hattie Carthan in every community, you know, it would have been from the ground up rather than, you know, the, the city saying, oh, we're going to plant a million trees. People, Absolutely. you know, Every if every community planted one, two, three thousand trees in their neighborhood, you know, we'd have a million trees. Can um, you imagine? Can you imagine? Yeah. yeah. So she and, was and a the, spectacular. The, the 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 story that if anybody knows anything about her, it's about the magnolia tree and the magnolia tree earth center. Yeah. 
and uh, the magnolia tree is the only living um, historic uh, site landmark landmark in, in the city still yeah yeah and it was all through her efforts because she lived the way down she actually lived on vernon and the the trees located on lafayette so it's a few blocks from where she lived yes. but she would take the bus and she would pass by and she uh got involved when she realized urban um with urban renewal which is how they remove black people out of these neighborhoods they were gonna tear down and burn down the brownstones and she was uh, concerned about the tree so she went about saving the tree and then out of that came the, the she got to save the three brownstones contiguous three brownstones that now form the nucleus of um, magnolia tree earth center Right. And um, that was secured by um, a businessman in the neighborhood who gave her $1,200 for her to buy the shell of those buildings. Can you imagine? $1,200 for three brownstones. Uh, she was, she was dogging and, you know, she went to a lot of meetings and she harassed everybody. You know, Mayor Lindsay came down to Vernon Avenue to one of her parties. Yes, one of her parties to save, to buy more trees and get more trees planted. And she had like a barbecue and she invited him and he came. Lindsay. Nice. So she was, she was very persuasive. She was tough as nails. And so um, she saved not only the tree, but she was able to secure the brownstones that the tree is situated. Yeah, yeah. Must have reminded her of Virginia because it's a southern magnolia that yes. you usually don't see uh, here, at least global warming, we're going to see more. But um it, it was kind of a rare tree at that point in time and that it survived if you've ever seen it bloom it's unlike any it's called it's the magnolia grandiflora the petals are huge as your head yes. um i have actually seen it doesn't bloom anymore because the tree is not compromised by scaffolding it's still standing but it's not in its glory as it was and I actually saw a bloom. It was the most amazing thing. You've never seen a bloom like that. I've Huge, like a yeah. 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 And so, you know, um, the tree was not expected to do well in these circumstances. It's a southern tree. Yeah. And it's been there for over a hundred years. And so yeah, so that will that is her legacy. And it worries me. Um, a lot of the people that live in the neighborhood. And pass that tree every day. Don't know that. I take every chance I get to tell the children and take them up there and show them. And everybody that I can talk to will listen to me. And they say, "What? We didn't know that." I said, "Yes, in front." They said, "Where? Who's front of Von King Park?" I said, "Oh my God, we never knew that." Yeah. Yeah, I also so, talk to people about, oh, you know that tree that's on this block? And they're like, no, you know, I never noticed that before. And it's like the biggest thing around and they've never noticed it. You know, people are just unaware of, of uh, especially trees. You know, um, Absolutely. People don't pay attention. They think of it as a nuisance. I don't know why, you know, it's a tree. Oh, it's such an added value. It cleans the air. Yes. It, it promotes property value. It, I mean, it's amazing. How can you live without a tree? I mean, really. So you have to sweep. So what? Yeah. Sweep up the leaves and make compost. I compost in my tree bed. And and you like I standing in the shade too in the summertime. That's that's the you know that's yeah. the thing that people you know can relate to because 
you know, where there's a tree, you see people standing underneath it when, when it's 90 degrees or more outside. So Absolutely. that's the, the smallest benefit that we get from trees. Um, well, these, these stories of, of Hattie Cawthon are, are, are really great. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you took the time to research her and, and that you are basically, um, you have her spirit and you're, you're continuing yeah. her work. Thank you for listening. This podcast continues in the third and final part of my interview with Ina McPherson. In the next episode, Ina tells us about her work with young people to create a new garden and the struggle to preserve it. Stay tuned for part three of, and now a word from our environment, Community Gardens, conclusion of an interview with Ina McPherson.